Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Jersey Educator Podcast. You're listening to the podcast created by NJEA members for NJEA members. My name is Jeff Bradbury. And my name is Jim Boyce. And thank you so much for listening to us today. Thank you for making the Jersey Educator Podcast part of your professional development. And Jim, it is the middle of July. We are doing education talk here in the summertime. We have a great show for us today. We have some awesome tech tips. But first of all, tell us who's going to be on our show today. Oh, Jeff, on this show, we're welcoming Nick Ferroni of the Union Township Education Association, a high school history teacher um, with a lot to say and uh, a lot of uh, just passions that he's here to share, uh, including um, how he was recently named Upstander of the Year by the Human Rights Campaign, Jeff. It is a good interview, uh, one of our favorites that we've done so far here, and uh, hopefully you have a chance to stick around and watch it to the end of the show here. You will not be disappointed in all of that. There's a lot of stuff that is going on here for the NJA over the summertime. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that teachers are doing over the summertime as we prepare for our upcoming school year, Jim. Absolutely, Jeff. So the next thing around the corner for the Early Career Members Network uh, is is a beach day. So a day at the beach for uh, any NJA member who considers themselves to be early in their career to get together to network and for the, further their support networks together. Uh, that is July 31st at uh, Jenkinson's Inlet in Point Pleasant, Jeff. Uh, we're offering um, lunch and uh, just a day at the beach, just a really informal get together. And our listeners can learn more on the events page at njea.org slash early career members. I would certainly recommend anybody going out and and checking that out. Jim, I have a question for you. Where do we plug in our projectors while we're at the beach? (laughs) Jeff, we will harness the power of the sun. Oh, the solar power PowerPoints. That is amazing. We're also looking forward to this coming school year. I know I'm looking forward to my second year um, as a technology coach up in Westwood. I'm, I'm sitting here busily getting all my, my screenshots and screencasts and things going on. But what kind of things are we looking forward to in this next coming school year? Um, I know we have a convention coming up, but there's so much more that NJA is planning. Absolutely, Jeff. The early career members uh, are continuing into September on our events page. Quite a lot of activity, maybe all the way through November. I'm counting about 10, 12, 14 events. Uh, There's a a happy hour event for just labor leaders and uh, early career members from different unions uh, connecting with the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the AFL-CIO, et cetera, sponsored by the Monmouth County Education Association. Uh, That's happening September 9th. Uh, you know, a, a support network, uh, financial planning event is uh, in the works for October 8th. Come out and share where you're at financially and get some tips and advice from not only your peers, but also some of our retired members who have been there. Um, and then, of course, looking forward to the convention, Jeff, which will be here before we know it. Uh, we're having a portion of the convention floor exclusively for our early career members called the Corner First and Fifth. And we'll do a networking event at the Haven Nightclub in the Gold Nugget on November 10th um, for early career members. We're expecting 1,200 early career members to attend, Jeff. So just, just a lot in the works and a lot to plan right now. Now, for anybody out there who's listening and might not be familiar with the terminology you're using, Jim, can you define early career members for me? Well, that's um, an interesting question, Jeff. There is no hard and fast definition. If, if you're a listener out there and you're a member, a teacher, an education support professional, and you feel, hey, you know what? 
I feel I'm still early in my career. I have a lot to learn than um, these events and everything we're talking about uh, will certainly apply to you. So it is up to the member. It is amazing, Jim, that there is so much stuff going on here in New Jersey. And I want to tell you a little story. Recently, I was at a Google for Education Summit uh, put on by our friends over at EdTech Team. And uh, it was in Marlboro Middle School. And I think it's safe to say we had about 150 to 175 teachers all come out on a two-day event, um, two great keynotes. It was put on by uh, uh, some New Jersey educators, Lisa Thuman. I want to give a big shout-out to her and the work that she's doing. But it was really neat in the middle of July to have teachers come together and continue their professional development. And these, these, these events aren't just for google i mean there's events for microsoft there's events for apple there's events for stem education there's so many events on there i do want to give a shout out to another amazing new jersey educator uh team who has created something called the education calendar and we have a link to it in our show notes here but essentially the education calendar or the educal as they call it is a great website that is designed to showcase all of the professional development so if you are looking for a conference or convention or something going on in your area you can put in your zip code you can look at it on google maps you can find something in your area or if you're planning to put on something um, you can submit your conference to this area to, to the the educal and you know new jersey teachers helping the world is really where this comes down to and really i think that's the whole idea behind this podcast but check out the educal i can't say enough about it um adam and danny are doing some amazing things danny i believe is from new jersey adam i believe is from new york but they're doing some pretty awesome things there again everything is going to be in our show notes and you can find that over at the education calendar um and you know speaking about early career members Jim, do you have an email address? Uh, sure. We have um, members can write to me personally at JB as in boy, O I C E as in uh, Edward at NJEA.org. And of course, if they have a comment or a question about this show, um, want to recommend a guest or learn more, we are at uh, podcast at NJEA.org. And I want to just say one thing it is so nice to hear the, the, the tagline at njea.org and that's essentially meaning that we have an address in this world that is branded that we can produce professionally it isn't you know at me or at hotmail or at something and and our friends over at njschooljobs.com put together a nice little tech tip for us today let us run this right now but it basically talks a little bit about how you can create an email address for yourself that is professional that not only is going to get your foot in the door of the interviews, but it's also going to help that resume rise to the top of the pile in your next interview. Hello, this is Todd Lawrence, proud NJEA member and a co-owner of NJSchoolJobs.com, New Jersey's leading education job site with a few tips on landing a job in education. Today's focus is on the use of email. It's important to remember to have a professional email address where potential employers can reach you quickly if they need to schedule an interview or follow up with you after an interview has been conducted. Unprofessional email addresses such as I like to party at gmail.com are strongly discouraged to have on a professional resume. If you're a college student and using a school email address, make sure your resume has your new professional email on it. Many times colleges or universities will close out or discontinue the use of school email by those that have already graduated. And since Gmail has become the industry standard, look to set up a Google account if you haven't done so already. 
Try setting up an account using your name or a variation of it that can easily be shared or remembered with others in the educational community. For more career information or to find a job in New Jersey schools, visit our website at njschooljobs.com. So, of course, Jim, those are all great ideas, and we want to thank our friends Todd and Pete over at njschooljobs.com. This is just a quick plug for them, but they are big sponsors of the NJEA. Of course, Todd is a teacher. Um, They've always been big supporters of the work I've done over on TeacherCast. And you know what? You had mentioned the convention. It's great to stop by. And, you know, even if you just want to get some some job application advice, these are the days right now where there's so much movement going around in the state. I know school districts in North Jersey here are opening up several positions because several positions have been filled. And, you know, it's that domino effect. So I would say, Jim, the most important thing that you can have, as Todd said there, is a professional email address. So I want to just stop right here, Jim, and say, if you are listening to this and you haven't taken a moment to, please check us out over on iTunes. You can do a search for Jersey Educator Podcast, and uh, we would love it if you left us a review good or bad we would love us if you left a nice five-star review and and those things go a long way um we always say in the podcasting business more reviews more good or podcast so if you have a chance right now check us out over on itunes stitcher google play we are right now wherever podcasts are sold i guess they're free but um check us out leave us that review so, Jim, it's time for our interview section today. Today, we're going to be talking to Nick Ferroni of the Union Township Education Association. Um, tell us a little bit about Nick. Sure, Jeff. So uh, excited to have Nick on the show. He's a high school history teacher, uh, recently named Upstander of the Year by the Human Rights Campaign. And he's also one of 100 Making a Difference in the World and one of the 25 most influential educators on social media. That- um, Nick is also working on a series with People Magazine to celebrate and praise educators and his campaign called Teach to the Truth and intended to include more minority groups and figures in school textbooks, Jeff. That is fantastic. Uh, Without further ado, let's bring him on. Nick, how are you today? Welcome to the program. It is good to have you on the program. Nick, you know, you've got such a, a, a strong influence here, you know, 100 making a difference in the world and, of course, all the social media work you're doing. But aside from that... Who is Nick Ferroni? I am a, I'm a Jersey boy, a Rutgers grad, who, uh, who always wanted to be a high school history teacher. And partly because I had amazing teachers growing up. I mean, my kindergarten teacher was one of the most influential people. I had amazing history teachers. And uh, Indiana Jones, I'll be honest, did have a, have a big stake in that as well. I'm like, I'll be Indiana Jones. That's what I'll be. But uh, after college, I ended up uh, going down or having an interesting opportunity to become an actor. Uh, I fell into acting, ended up on a soap. And uh, after doing it for a little while, I figured it was only a matter of time before they realized how bad I was. But unfortunately, they uh, kept on hiring me and kept on offering opportunities. Uh, At the same time, they offered me a contract, a teaching job, open up my old high school. So I decided to go from acting one time a day to putting on six shows a day to an audience who's uh, not sure they want to be there, as we all know. But it was it was one of the best decisions I ever made. And because I was very blessed to have amazing educators who taught me to well, that, never to be average in whatever you do. You know, if, if my dad said, if you're going to be a garbage man, you're going to be the best garbage man there is. That, that That's all it is to it. So I just, I feel like I had a unique uh, position to advocate for, for education but, but for us, for educators, 
we are the most undervalued profession there is. And and to me, if I have an opportunity to celebrate and, and praise educators and make sure, and not praise them, but make sure we get the recognition we do deserve, I try to use my resources to to ensure that. You know, I love the analogy that you give of you're now doing six shows a day. And it is so important, <laughs> I think, for teachers to to get the idea that, you know, it's not a job that we do. This is a performance. We are there to educate, but also entertain six times a day to a completely different audience. What What kind of skills did you bring with you from the acting world that maybe you bring into your classroom? I would say, first of all, you have to connect yourself to the audience. You have to humanize yourself. You know, it's like anything else where they have to, it, there has to be a human aspect to it. I've had amazing professors who are horrible teachers, who are some of the most brilliant men I've ever met. And I've had teachers who didn't know a lot about their, their content, but were incredible because they knew how to deliver the material. And I always say a great teacher can make a bad subject interesting and a bad teacher can make a great subject boring. So to me, it's all about the messenger. You know, it's I don't know the most about history, but I do everything in my power to find a way to relate it to my students in a way that they understand it, they retain it, and they can apply it. And it, it's funny because I've I've met a lot of brilliant doctors who come to education like they're gonna because they're so informed and knowledgeable, and within two days they're they're thrown in the towel because they don't realize it's the delivery which kind of matters the most. Now, talk to us a little bit about that first day. You know, we're, we're here recording this over the summertime. And, you know, just as you step on to a stage for the first time and, you know, the audience takes a good look at you and decides the rest of the scene for you, if they're going to buy what you're selling or just think about you as somebody else here. What advice do you have for teachers on that first second day of school to really wow students and get them behind you for the next 180 I ended up taking over for a teacher at my school who was beloved, uh, and Mr. Curtis. So I came in there. I was a hated person. So I was already starting off on a bad on a bad step. But I mean, I basically one of the best lessons I've ever had from my teachers, and especially my kindergarten teacher, Miss Martino. She would always say, you know, she would always tell me, you know, in, in years from now, kids will forget what you taught them, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. So especially, I always felt like developing, I spend a week or two developing a connection with my students. I could care less about history. If you don't develop classroom management or a relationship, then teaching really doesn't matter. You know, you don't want to wait till halfway through a semester to develop a relationship with your students. Right. So, and my situation is unique because my students, I mean, unfortunately, nothing makes me more uncomfortable than when a student says, you know, Mr. Froney, we, we Googled you. You know, there's a lot of... <laughs> That's a very uncomfortable statement. So there's a lot of stuff uh, from my, obviously, that I do in entertainment and a lot of stuff along those lines. So the first thing I do to establish that relationship is I show them every awkward childhood photo. I project it on the LCD. I tell them every time I was dumped. I tell them how I was in eighth grade. I glued my ears to my bow. I tell them how I got dumped before my junior prom, my senior prom. And I tell them how this is not the most important lives though they feel that way i said high school in four years it's not going to matter whether you're the most popular kid in school or the least popular you know it doesn't define who you are so i humanize myself very quickly and i always feel like i, I use laughter as a great so i think laughter is the best do now you get them to laugh in the beginning of class you teach them they forget they're learning and then you make them laugh at the end and before you know it 40 minutes goes by they don't realize that they've been engaged in the entire lesson so i, I think i mean it's definitely 
it's it's definitely a performance in a sense where there's structure to it. You know, it's kind of like a, it, it's definitely like a, a soap opera, I joke, because soap operas bounce around all the time. You never know where it's going, and it's so fast-paced where that's my classroom. I don't stand one thing for too long. So, so I have to ask the question here. Um, I, I don't know if we can ask which soap opera, but I think it'd be more appropriate to ask, how many times were you married, killed, brought back from the dead, or married again? Well, it's, it's funny. My, my shirt was, was not a lot in the soap. The running joke was, am I ever going to wear my shirt? It's the wintertime. So it's... <laughs> I get the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you two. I'm going to jump in here and... Uh, dive into some of these accolades with you, Nick, um, just to kind of run through them with our listeners. I'm sure they're interested. I'm sure they may be Googling uh, as we speak here, just like I did. And uh, Are you suggesting everyone's doing an me. image search right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeff, I'm, I'm going to ignore that and just move on here. Uh, <laughs> so the, the uh, Human Rights Campaign, Nick, uh, Upstander of the Year. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that accolade, um, maybe starting out with what is the Human Rights Campaign and how that all came about? Uh, the Human Rights Campaign is one of the biggest uh, organizations that advocates for any injustice. They do focus on LGBTQ-related uh, injustices, uh, marriage equality, uh, work injustice, anything along those lines. And uh, I've, I've collaborated with them for a long time. So when they did reach out to me, I mean, I, I consider myself like the Sam Adams of, of, of history and it comes to that sense where the other guys are the thinkers. You just I'll just break stuff and be loud and be obnoxious. And that's the kind of type of person I am. I definitely feel like I'm the outspoken person. But I mean, from the very beginning, I've always been. It, it's funny. I always say, you know, when it comes to my LGBT rights because or my advocacy, there is not a year that goes by that my students, because I'm very outspoken in class about injustice, not only to LGBT students, but to minority students, to to girls, to what they're going to in certain areas. I always have a student who will just ask me very bluntly, like, you know, I'm sporting. It's okay if you are, but are you gay? And then when I say no, they're like, well, why are you so outspoken? I, I also explain if this was the 60s, we'd all be marching for civil rights, but they wouldn't ask us if we're black or if we're, you know, for women's rights, if we're a woman. But so... My whole thing is I've I've had people who believed in my, my entire life. So I can't imagine there's kids that go to school that do not feel like they're safe and secure. And the one thing I always say is kids come to school for two reasons. Kids who are loved at home come to school to learn. And kids aren't come to school to be loved. And to me, school, if, if a kid's not safe or secure when they enter the classroom, they're not going to be willing to learn. A kid who, who feels, who, who basically feels like there's there's some sort of, fault in themselves, or there's imperfections, or they're a sinner, or there's something wrong with them, or they're mentally uh, dealing with issues. They can't sit in a classroom and care about history or math or English. So the first thing I, I ensure is that every student's the same. And, and from a historical standpoint, I love it because it allows me to relate past events to present day events. So I've, I've worked on a few campaigns, a straight educators for gay students campaign. I do I mean, there was an issue a few years back where the Westboro Baptist Church came out with, uh, they came out with this whole concept how gay people turn uh, straight people gay. So I did this video because I had a student who came, who came out during that year and was, was so devastated by it because their friends stopped hanging out with them. So the first thing I thought of was, let me put it in practice. So I, I contacted Lance Bass, who's a friend of mine. I'm like, do you mind if I just hang out with you and your boyfriend for a week? And so we did a video. I spent the entire day with Lance Bass and I'm still straight. You know, just to... It's like 
in a humorous way, but at the same time to show you how stupid it really sounds when you kind of put it into reality. So I've just, I mean, all that stuff, I guess, got picked up and got attention uh, to certain groups in the HRC. So when they honored me with this, it was, it was to me, this is, I've had something accolades, which I'm not really proud of. I mean, people magazine, nice title, but it's not my proudest moment. When the, when the HRC reached out to me, I thought it was, first of all, I didn't think it's deserving because I know so many educators who do amazing things for their students. But at the same time, it was one of it was one of those moments where I, I thought it kind of it, it reinforced that because again, as a teacher, we're criticized if we present certain beliefs or certain concepts in classroom, you know. And to me, it's like I can't the same way if if there's a political figure who's criticizing Muslims. I have Muslim students. I'm gonna my goal is to stand up for my Muslim students, regardless of what it may offend or certain people think I'm crossing a bounds. So it was a, a really interesting title, Upstander of the Year, somebody who is openly and outspoken and especially an extreme advocate for the LGBTQ community, especially youth. So I, I was I earned that honor this year with Bob Harper from The Biggest Loser and uh, John Quinones, who was uh, who does the series. What would you do? So I was definitely out of my league, but it was it was a very nice, nice opportunity. And again, it was nice to represent the NEA and to represent educators who do. Thank you for that, Nick. So I, I love that story there of how you um, are accessing your support network, which, which goes all the way out to Hollywood and um, using that, using your friends, being an influencer to make more of an impact for your students and for public education. Really great. And uh, you know, the second accolade I have here on my list is the, uh, the People Magazine piece. Um, I believe the title is Sexiest Teacher Alive. Um, Nick, is that accurate? It's, is it accurate? I'm sure there's a lot of teachers, including you guys, that'll kind of doubt. And, and I, I'll be honest, I think my mom was heavily influenced in the voting process. So, it, but it's, it was a very interesting title. And uh, when people first reached out to me, I originally said no, because my first thought was all we need to do as an educator is to have another, another educator be sexualized. And my first thought as an educator, like I'm sure you guys do, is like, what would be the headline in that news story front page? I'm like, all right, sexualized high school history. But at the same time, after speaking it over with, with the editor-in-chief, Jess Cagle, he said, you know, he's like, honestly, he, he said, if we change the title to inspirational or influential, have this, the story would have the same meaning. And it's it's one of those things where I'm, I'm looking back, I was so happy I, I, I did accept it. And because it did allow me to have a platform that we've never had before as educators, or less good educators have never had. You know, the ones who are on trial, which are the far and few, get the mainstream media. And the one thing I always point out, it's it took me to be named Sexy Teacher Live to have access to primetime media. No educator has never been on the media for primetime for anything good, except in this case. But it's it's I've also become a master at constantly changing the subject you know they're like oh so how does it feel to be a sexiest teacher live you know yeah i'm great you know my students know i'm goofy but at the same time this is what educators are dealing with this is what we need to do in education this is why we need to praise all these other educators and this is why we need to start treating teachers like celebrities and, and superstars they are so i've become a master at using that to very quickly transition uh the topic to what it really needs to matter why we should celebrate teachers and why we shouldn't have to need a title like uh, obviously people's sexiest teacher in life to to be in the mainstream media 
you know, why, why it's so necessary to honor and, and praise all the amazing educators that we all know are out there. So it's, it's one of those opportunities that I was honestly, I, I, I did cringe at first when it first happened, I was waiting for all the backlash and there was backlash and there was backlash from educators saying, how dare we sexualize the teacher at the same time. I just want them to know it's, I'll deal with the backlash. I mean, I'll deal with the backlash when I have teachers telling me that I should be fired for telling kids it's okay to be gay. I can deal with that. I don't work for them. I don't care what they think. I don't care what they feel. My concern is doing what's best for my colleagues and my students. And it, it did open up a lot of opportunities because now I'm working on a series with People Magazine where we're gonna celebrate and praise educators and, and treat them like the celebrities they are. I can't really go into too much detail about the series, but it will change the whole dialogue and it will basically get everyone in this country talking about and remembering all the amazing teachers that we had. And it, it, allow, it allows celebrities to kind of thank all those teachers who did change their life. Because every day we, we change lives, we better lives and we save lives and we do. And it's, and I would say, you know, it's, it's, if, if teaching was easy, TVs would have replaced us a long time ago. It's, it's so much more about inspiration than information. You know, again, I don't know the most about history, but I know I'm a good teacher because of what I'm willing to go through to, to become a better teacher. And I've tried a lot of stuff that didn't work, but I'm willing to try more and I'm willing to try anything I can to engage my students to, to ensure that they not only learn about history, but learn about life and use and develop skills that apply later on to make them better people as well. So uh, People Magazine was, it, it's one of those things that I was a little nervous at first, but it turned out to be a great thing. And hopefully it'll be a great thing for educators everywhere. Absolutely. Uh, very exciting stuff, that series. And uh, so we, we, we found a, a more accurate title uh, for you, which may be Master at Changing the Subject, which is uh, certainly worked uh, <laughs> in, in your favor and uh, for our students, uh, not only here, but nationally um, and worldwide too. So, so we'll watch for that series and uh, look for more on people.com. Give a little plug there for, uh, for People Magazine. And, and, and Nick, um, locally within our state, um, I know recently you did an event with uh, USA Today, uh, teaming up with our friends over at the Asbury Park Press um, yes. called, called One Nation. Um, would, would you like to share a little about that? Yes, it was... Uh... It's One Nation works with Rock the Vote, which I'm, a, I'm on the board for a, an organization called Student Voice. And the funny thing is, like, when your name's in the media a lot, you have a lot of organizations who reach out to, to kind of court you. I mean, Michelle Rees, her, her student first reached out to me numerous times. Bill Gates' organizations reached out to me. Unfortunately, I can't partner with people who I feel like are destroying the system that we care so much about. Uh, so Student Voice... Uh, Zach Malamad was a or is a junior at Maryland. He created this organization called Student Voice, which is a student-run organization, student board members. The whole goal is students reform education by by developing reform, by creating a, a political movement. So I always say the only people who should be defining education reform more than teachers are students, because that's the audience. So Student Voice was, um, it's one of the groups that I'm honored to be on a board member of. So through Student Voice, I ended up connecting with Rock the Vote because there's going to be a campaign to lower the voting age to 16, which we are going to eventually be working on. And uh, Rock the Vote actually connected me with One Nation, and uh, which ironically the education panel they were having was in Asbury Park. So it was a very simple, simple panel. And uh, 
my premise was very simple. I discussed the issue with high stakes testing with the Common Core. How Chris Christie basically experimented with our kids for six years, and how the 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 negatives and and what the park test truly means to education in New Jersey and and to to the nation. So I kind of discussed that aspect of it, and it was very very harmful. I mean, I mean it was very harmless in a sense. I just I, I mean, the good thing is when you tell the truth, you don't have to get defensive because you're just using facts and information. It's not opinion. It's facts. So I kind of just uh, shared a little moment with One Nation uh, for Rock the Vote and discussed what, what I feel like most of the concerns we have as educators and, and the, the inequality that we feel as teachers and the, the system that we're being forced to implement that we feel is not beneficial to us or our students. And, uh, and it, it was a great, great thing to be a part of. So they do one every month. So I just, I had the honor of being part of the education. Great. So, um, wow. It, it must be hard to keep up with. You're, you're just involved in so much. Um, we heard about Student Voice there. Our listeners can learn more about that organization at stuvoice.org. And of course, Rock the Vote at rockthevote.com. And uh, my takeaway from that whole piece there, Nick, was to tell the truth. You don't have to be defensive. Um, you just have to be courageous, which you uh, are certainly um, proving yourself to be here. And uh, this is really great. Well, what did Voltaire say? I always tell my students, Voltaire said, you never want to be right when the government is wrong. You know, it's, even if you're right, you don't want to be right when the government's wrong. Like with your parents, you, if your parents are wrong, you don't want them. You don't want to be right when your parents are wrong. You will still feel their wrath. So, but at the same time, it's, again, we didn't, we didn't become educators to to just kind of coast through or be average. And it's, it is interesting because I, I have a lot of educators reach out to me from Midwestern parts of the country. Uh, from I mean, I had an educator reach out to me from Missouri saying they want to be, they, they would love to be more outspoken about LGBT issues in class. And I'm like, so are you tenured? He's like, no. And he's like, can I teach at a Catholic school? And I'm like, ooh, that's going to be tough because there are so many educators out there who want to be so much more outspoken and to me, it's like, and I just, I understand there's a professional aspect and there's a lot of teachers we deal with who are, they don't like to break rules. They like to go under the radar in schools. Like you don't want to be the person who's dealing with administration. And I know I ruffle feathers at the same time. It's like, it's, I have to, you know, I have to look myself in the mirror at night. So I'm willing to take that risk. And there are a lot of teachers who are, but it's, I also understand how it's like, as our profession, we tend to be rule followers. We like to be under the radar. We don't want to ruffle feathers. We don't want to deal with administration negative way. At the same time, if it's if it's for the kids, I feel like most people will understand. Absolutely, and uh, you know, you brought the mind there. Um, a lot of a lot of NJA members I've been fortunate to meet across the state who work with their local education associations and uh, use that place in their union and all the strength and support there to uh, to make a difference too. So. Uh, Really great stuff there, Nick. And we've been talking here for about 15 minutes or so, and uh, LGBTQ has come up a couple times, and I think that's a nice segue, maybe a deeper dive into the Teach the Truth campaign, uh, okay. Nick. So if you want to start off, just tell us a little bit about what it is and how did it start? Well, it's, I think it started with, the, with my experience in high school. And uh, when my history teacher in high school exposed me to uh, the people's history of the United States by Howard Zinn, and then and would would joke with us how he was like he's like I'm, I don't I don't like Disney, so I'm not going to teach you our Disney version of history with our textbooks. I'm going to teach you the truth. 
And he would always apply, which he would always bring up. He said, there's always three sides to every story. You know, there's one person's the other in the middle lies the truth. You know, he's like, I'm not going to tell you how Columbus discovered America. I'm going to tell you how Columbus nearly caused genocide, you know, and it's, he just, he would always preach how the losers, you know, the loser stories that were told. And he would always mention how textbooks, you know, which is the one analogy I always use with my students. I always say our textbooks are like our resume. You know, you're not going to tell your boss you're going to be late to work. You're going you're to use your sick days. You're going to try to get by. by. You only tell them all your great qualities. And it's like our textbooks are written the same way. When I feel like what, what attracts me to people is their imperfections. I love, I love journeys. So to me, it's about history where the whole Teacher Truth campaign is after teaching in, a, in an urban school district for about six years, I finally came to my realization where I told my students, I'm like, I teach white history to black students and I teach male history to girls. And to me, it's, I basically, and it's, it's just my opinion, but I basically feel like we indirectly teach our kids to be sexist, racist, and to discriminate because we downplay the roles of certain figures in textbooks. When in fact, I could write a textbook that celebrates minorities and women and making you think white Christian males did nothing by just downplaying their role. And again, I'm a straight white Christian male, so I should love this, but at the same time, I feel like it, it is still the sense of white superiority deep down, like, you know, we did everything, you know, no one else. But then when you study history, like, wait, people, they did this and this group did this. And to me, it's just, I feel like the only people who should learn more about black history more than black people are white people. The only people who should learn more about women's history more than women are men. Because I feel like a lot of boys were very sexist because we only think women were nurses and seamstresses. We don't teach about the women who contributed and kept things going or, or changed, changed the world, so to say. So teach the truth would be to include more groups who've contributed to the development of this country by just not, not changing history, but just more inclusion. And then I always get the argument, well, you know, we can't teach about everybody. Well, no, we don't teach about every white person who changed. We can, we can give a, a broader, fair sample. Rather than teaching Black History Month, let's include African-American figures throughout. Same thing with Women's History Month, Latin History Month, everything. Because if we teach kids that everyone contributed I believe racism, prejudice, and intolerance would go right out the window. You know, it's just, and that's my, it's, it's one of those things where it's so frustrating, but I feel like it's so obvious. I mean, I get arguments all the time where with people who tend to be a little ignorant with like, well, if black people did more, we talk about it more. I'm like, they did plenty, but the fact you don't know they did, that's why you're an example of why we need to learn more about different groups. So the Teach the Truth campaign, which it, I, I eventually started off very strong with a lot of media support. And then I was partnering up with a few different organizations. That was probably a bad idea. So I'm kind of back to square one now where I'm going to go through the, I'm, I'm basically reevaluating everything. I'm going to, I'm going to take it. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it the political way. I'm going to do it the, the legal way by going the political route by starting to uh, it, it's, it's tough because Texas decides what goes in our textbooks. Trying to convince Texas that white Christian men didn't do everything is going to be the toughest thing, which is one of the points I'm going to try to bring up on how we have to hold our publishers to a higher standard. And we have to take the business aspect out of textbooks. So it's, it's one of those things where this is my, I put it off on hold until the series comes out because I feel like then I'll have more clout and more power to push it. And when the series comes out and I start doing press for that, I'm going to start pushing the Teacher Truth campaign much more to just start the dialogue. To me, it's like, I can't imagine. And it's like, I'm, I'm joking with my students. And it's, 
I mean, our, I love our history. I love this country dearly. Our founding fathers were great men. They were imperfect, as all people are. So I, I just remember trying to tell my students, it's like, I'm trying to convince you that our founding fathers were great men to African-American students when they didn't, they were great, but not to your people for an extended period of time. So it's like, and we have to teach the imperfections. And I'm not, I'm not teaching that they were evil. I'm just saying they were human beings who made mistakes, who, as we all do, there's no such thing as a perfect person in history. You know, you know there was, Washington did some bad, everybody did bad things. And it was a part of the time. So the whole thing with teach the truth would be to just give a very fair, broader, more inclusive uh, understanding of history. To kind of include, I would say, add our textbooks with Howard's in's people history to, you know, to just kind of combine that so we have the truth in a sense. You know, there's facts and there's the truth. And I, I always do this study with my students where we pick a president and a vice president based on facts. But the trick is I tell them all the good things about bad people and I tell them all the bad things about good people. So I tell them how Hitler was the top of his class. He was a brave, they don't know their names or their pictures. And they always end up picking Hitler and Stalin because I tell them all the bad things about Washington and, and like FDR and those people. Saying how, I just, I didn't lie to you. I just edited the information and our textbooks work the same way. So a, a very short historical rant, but it was just, I mean, it's one of the things I'm very passionate about. I, I do feel like we can get rid of all the problems that we're dealing with in the world today with issues of race, intolerance, uh, Islamophobia, uh, xenophobia, anything along those lines, if we just include the truth in our history books. You know, we open minds rather than tell them what to think or, or what to believe in a sense. Just, uh, just an epic, uh, I, I would not define that as a rant there, Nick, but uh, an, epic, um, an epic piece there, uh, very deep about, um, you know, just starting that dialogue, starting to reevaluate is uh, a huge challenge, um, a huge challenge, and I, I wish you well with that, and uh, let us know if, if the NJA or uh, the NEA can uh, offer any support to you in, in this um, this quest here? Oh, absolutely. I will. You will be the first ones I reach out to when everything's in full force, especially with the series and everything. Really great. Really great. Um, and of course, we would love to have you back on to help support those causes as well. Oh, I, I will take you up on that, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, Nick, this has been really great. This has been just so interesting. And, um, you know, we started off with a lot of great just tips and advice from you um, for our listeners out there. Then we got a little deep here with the with, with the Teach uh, the Truth campaign. Um, so why don't we end um, on a note, um, another advice note, Nick. So what can you share with our listeners? Um, you know, our listeners, they're listening in. Um, it, it can seem overwhelming, like, to take on a project like this. Um, how, how can our listeners start to make a difference in helping others, their students, uh, around causes that, that they are passionate about? I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I always say, you know, most students, every teacher is a celebrity to most of their students. You know, we are. And to me, it's being outspoken in those areas. It's, I have a lot of students who came to me and said, you know, because we respect you, because we look up to you, and because you think it's okay for, to support the schools, we think it's okay. And it's, to me, it's not, and some people, and some people call that indoctrination. To me, I'm just, I'm supporting my students, all different students in all different areas. It, as an educator, it's a very tough thing. So I wanna tell teachers to, to, you know, 
to, to stick up for their students, to, to stick to their beliefs, to stick to their principles, to never sacrifice their principles because of a, a policy or because of, of public outcry. But at the same time, it's like, it is a profession. I mean, there was a teacher in North Carolina who was fired for reading his students an LGBT friendly themed fairy tale. And to me, it's, it's, and I deal with that backlash all the time where it's, you know, I, I had a parent who basically came to me and they said very simply, you know, we would prefer, we're very religious. We'd prefer you not talk about LGBT issues in our class because religious reasons. And my answer was very simple where I said, you know, thank God I teach in a public school where religion doesn't apply. And I said, if that's the case, though, and I'm not going to talk about Martin Luther King because technically he was an adulterer. So that's a commandment. So if you want me to not teach about history based on religious reasons, our textbooks would be empty, unfortunately. So it's I always try to again, it's not an opinion. You have facts to back stuff up. I just feel like you can do it in a very calculated way. And I just feel like you have to your students have to know you care and whether it's about sticking up for their right. Why should a kid care about learning if their teachers don't care about them? And and kids know. I, I'm. I mean, for the parents, you know, your kid knows when you're when they can call your bluff very quickly. Kids know as a teacher when you don't care about the content or you're not passionate about it. To me, it's. I mean, there's there's no replacement for a passionate teacher. Like kids know passion, and when you're passionate, you make them passionate. You know, it's a passionate person could could make you passionate about the the most mundane things. My, my only, my simple advice would be just care, care about your kids, care about them personally, take interest in their lives, let them know that you will go to bat for them if they're, if they don't have anyone to go to bat for them. And to me, that's kind of the most defining moment where my kids know, I mean, I will take a bullet figuratively and literally for them. And, and because that's why I became a teacher because I had teachers who did that for me and it meant the world to me. I mean, 30 years later, it meant the world to me. So it's, I mean, it, it's one of those things where as an educator, I always say the most effective educators are not the ones who know the most, they're the ones who care the most. So it's, if I could give any advice, and I'll be honest, every good teacher has left at least once a week question their profession, thinking they should quit. I've thought about quitting teaching. There are weeks where I'm so mentally drained and exhausted by certain students where I feel like I'm not getting through and it's like, but that also reinforces that we care because if I could just leave and say, hey, it's they're bad kids, who cares? That would mean I didn't care. You know, I, I would lose, I lose sleep over students and I tell them like, I lose sleep over you because I just, I don't want you to feel this way. I don't want you to be this way. What can I do? And it's, and again, I wish I didn't, but at the same time, it's like, that's why I feel like I'm successful in what I do because they know. So my thing is as an educator, be willing to fail I've done a lot of things. I'm very creative, but I've tried a lot of things that that didn't work. Yo mama history jokes was a great idea, but it didn't work. Kids took it a little too offensive, but I tried it because I thought they they would that would be engaging. So just be willing to fail, be willing to try, and just care would be my my simple advice for teaching 101. And it's it's funny, it's my first year teaching was such a blur because I cared so much about the content. I didn't feel like I became a good teacher until my third year because, again, I, we taught, I taught like a college professor, like I'm going to lecture them, they're going to write it down and that's it. Not realizing that, that that goes out the window very quickly. So it's just, the good news is I'm, I'm on my 13th year and I feel like I'm getting better and I feel like I'm trying new things. I'm not content. 
so that's kind of what I feel as a profession. I mean, I reflect every year. So I was, I felt like I had a great school year because I feel like I'm continually progressing as an educator. Really, really uh, inspiring stuff there, Nick. And uh, I, 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 I appreciate hearing your struggle as you try to find the best way to reach each student. And uh, I failed a lot. I failed a lot trying to. <laughs> but when you get that one golden, one golden nugget, that, that one activity, that one situation, it's, it's worth it. Yeah, when, when it clicks, it is, yeah. um, it's just an awesome thing and an awesome feeling. And uh, yeah, so uh, thank you so much, Nick, for coming on the show tonight to share with us um, all these, these great things, um, your thoughts, your passions, uh, your projects coming up, which we'll certainly be on the lookout for. Uh, Nick, do you have any contact information you'd like to share with our listeners? Maybe how we can find you on Twitter or by I mean, email? My, my Instagram and my hashtag for Twitter are at Nicholas Veroni. It's, it's very cheesy. It's, I'm very cautious, but it's, I, I just, I mean, it's probably history, probably a little political based, a, a little informative. And uh, email would be Ferroni21 at hotmail.com. I mean, I'm, if anybody has any comments or thoughts or critiques or any, anything, I'm more than open to listen and, and hear and take it in. But I mean, just thank you guys. Because again, it's like I always say, if anybody, if anybody thinks teachers take evenings and weekends and summers off, they must not, not, they must not know any teachers. Because it's, <laughs> it's 9 a.m. in July and we're here talking education. Policymakers are not on Twitter every night trying to better education, but teachers are. So that alone just shows the commitment that you guys have and just means so much. So thank you. Uh, Nick, Nick, you're certainly welcome. And uh, on behalf of Jeff, uh, thank you again for sharing and, and just being part of uh, our family here at the Jersey Educator Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I look forward to being on again, guys. I hope you have a great summer now. Jim, I want to say, first of all, that was a great interview with Nick. He is such a dynamic educator and uh, it's really really neat to see somebody from new jersey um you know popping their head out of the waters and doing something not only on a national level but on a global level and and uh, great interview man thanks jeff and uh same to you and uh thank you to nick for uh taking the time to come on our show um here we are the middle of july and uh just so much to uh wrap my head around there jeff how Nick has, it's just such an epic idea what he wants to do and where he wants the direction of public education to go, but he's not at all, um, he's not at all scared and he's, he's jumping right in and um, making this Teach the Truth campaign happen. So I can't wait to hear more about it. And one more time, if you're looking to get a hold of him, we'll have all the links in our show notes, but he's at Nicholas Ferroni, that's F-E-R-R-O-N-I or Ferroni21 at hotmail.com. Jim, this is our 13th episode, our lucky 13th episode, and I'm looking forward to another great 13. Just as a reminder, Jim, you and I are going to be seeing each other at the teachers convention. If you are going in uh, in November there, check us out. Uh, I'll have the teacher cast booth there. I'll be doing about 15 different workshops. And in the middle of those 15 workshops, you and I are going to be doing a two- our live show we can't quite yet disclose who's going to be on the show but i can tell you it's going to be some pretty awesome people um if you're interested in being on the program during our live broadcast at the convention reach out to us jim what is that email address that somebody can reach out and request an appearance 
on the Jersey Jeff, Educator. That, yeah, that, that's podcast at njea.org. And of course, all our past podcasts are not only on iTunes and uh, Stitcher, but also in Google Play, but also on njea.org slash podcast. Very nice. And Jim, if I can, I want to make one quick plug for something that was pretty uh, pretty recently launched. I uh, had a chance to really sit back and uh, relaunch my personal page. I don't know if you had a chance I, I to go to that, it. I noticed that, Jeff. I noticed. But oh, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll take the advantage here. And uh, Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y Bradbury, B-R-A-D-B-U-R-Y, jeffreybradbury.com, recently launched. Um, I'm kind of proud of it. And just wanted to share on the podcast here um, as an NJEA member some good things that are happening up here in North Jersey. So um, on behalf of everybody here on the on the Jersey Educator Podcast, my name is Jeff Bradbury. And my name is Jim Boyce. Saying thank you so much for watching us. Thank you for paying attention for the last 13 episodes. Until next time, keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions in New Jersey. 